0: Hey, good morning and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. I am so glad you are here. My name is Chris Plegenpol. I'm the lead pastor and one of the elders here at Wells Branch Community Church. And listen, if you have any questions, one of the things we love to do is answer them. And uh, I have a uh, Pastor Plex podcast uh, that we will answer all of these questions on, along with questions that we got from Focus uh, last night and the night before. Uh, One thing you need to know that uh, we have an incredible weekend that we just went through called Focus Weekend, and we do it yearly, uh, and specifically we're addressing uh, this year the purpose of our church and the process of our church. And so our purpose is went from we are a family of believers committed to reaching people with a life-changing reality of Jesus Christ to simply love God, love people, make disciples. That's what our church exists to do. And so we wanted to make it so simple that everybody anywhere could re- simply remember, love God, love people, make disciples. And that, that is the heartbeat of our church. That's a heartbeat of what Jesus taught. And it's a heartbeat of churches everywhere. Remember, the mission has a church. The church doesn't simply have a mission. And last night we talked about Really, what it would look like to uh, help people unpackage each one of those steps in the process to be a fully formed follower of Christ. Then the first step of that would be to gather. The next step of that would be to go join a community group. So gather, group, grow. Grow is where we have our discipleship and spiritual formation. And go is where we send people out into their community, out globally, uh, out into the social media or s- social spheres of influence where you, with, a, with a message of hope that Jesus came, he died and rose from the dead. And so we really want to clarify uh, why all those steps are important and then where you should be in your uh, spiritual journey. Okay, so uh, this week we're talking about gathering, all right, so gathering. And um, if you didn't know this, the, word, the Greek word that we get church from is ecclesia. And that Greek word uh, translated directly means the assembly or the gathering or the congregation. And so wherever you see that word church, it's really referring to the gathering of people. Remember, the church isn't a building. The church is a people, and wherever the people are, the church is. And that becomes an important factor and really one where we want corporately to gather together in worship. And that's our primary first step for anybody looking to engage their spiritual life. Now, there's a basic resistance that we have to these kind of things. Christians resist gathering for corporate worship, and there's probably a billion reasons, but I'm going to give you three like I always do. Uh, One is we have somewhere else to be. In uh, a world where we get um, bombarded with activities, and listen, I'm talking pre-COVID-19, because right now, uh, you don't have anything else to do. That's why you're sitting here watching uh, church on your phone, watching on your TV, or watching on your computer. But there's a a tendency for us to, like, let's go to the park. Not that the park is a bad thing, but what we want to do is, why is prioritizing worship something we're designed for? In fact, we forget that. We forget that our designer, uh, God, designed us for corporate worship, and he shepherds us through corporate worship. We're going to find out about all about that. And then finally, um, one of the reasons why Christians resist gathering for corporate worship is because we're hardened to hearing from God. And I get it. Um, when you are at a place of sin or darkness, the last thing you want is some preacher guy convicting you of it, of what you already know. But isn't it true that when we are amongst a gathering that everybody has said this, wondered, I felt like he was talking right to me. And how can everybody say the same thing? He was talking right to me. I felt that as a person sitting in church. I feel that as I even listen to myself preach. I'm talking right to me. And so I want us to be at a place where we can hear God's word and have our lives transformed by it, not merely get hardened to it. Okay, now, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 95, Psalm 95, and so if you wouldn't mind uh, turning there in your Bible, uh, we are going to pray and ask God to uh, help us to take the next step, which is the gathering, as we worship with Him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being a part of this incredible mission that you are wanting us to experience, Lord that you have done incredible things and you have done awesome things and we are wanting to seek your face and to trust you with it all. So Lord, I pray that as I uh, proclaim your word that people would hear and that there would be this response that people would look to you as their king. We love you, God. Would you hide me behind the cross? Would I be a part of the congregation, the part of the gathering on the other side of the screen as I need to hear this just as much as everybody else does? So in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, here we go. Uh, Psalm 95, and we're going to look at verse 1. Start there, Psalm 95. And if you didn't know this, Psalm 95, it was like a worship song. So this would be a song that was sung uh, amongst the congregation, the gathering of Israel when they would come to worship at the temple. All right, so this is like what has been for thousands of years, uh, a worshipful experience uh, for the Jewish people, and that Christians took this on uh, with Christ. All right, so look at this. Psalm 95, verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And I love this. One of the unique things about uh, the Christian faith is singing. I remember when I was in Iraq and my interpreter, Muhammad, would, um, I led a Bible study on Thursday nights and we, every now and then we would sing a hymn or we'd sing, or we put a song up on YouTube and we would sing it or we'd listen to it. And I remember Muhammad come up me saying like, why do you guys sing? Like, what is that all about? Like, he, there, there isn't a... Um, an equal form of that style of worship in islam apparently i didn't realize that uh, and he said we we don't do that why do you do that And i said because there's something in us that uh calls to us that you can't even contain the joy of your heart um and there's really this unique thing if you look at this the word joyful noise here uh that is actually a shout uh, the the word the greek or the hebrew word here is shout it is like a war cry. It is like we're rallying the troops together. There's this thing that's singing. when we gather together, is something very unique, something very powerful about the, the constant truths being declared, about the, the joining of the Christians around the single idea that Jesus rose from the dead. And I love that. I love that. Um, which is why? Watch this. Christians gather to rally around what God has done through loud singing. Loud singing. So um, if you're me, I'm one of the guys that does a lot of whooping on the front, and I've I've been asked, I've been told that this is rather undignified, and I almost want to break into, what was that song like? I'll be even more undignified than this, like quoting from David, like there's a, like ancient song from the 90s. Uh, anyway, uh, or it might have been the 2000s. But the reality was there's this something in us that at least me, that just like I can't contain the joy. And thankfully, we now have Joel who's in the back. So you got me in the front, Joel in the back, some shouting going on as we cry out to Jesus. You are doing something unique. You are doing something special. And that, that to me is very powerful. Now, you know what's really neat about... Um, crying out like that it it brings back to me some nostalgia from my college days and maybe you went to a college that didn't do stuff like this but i went to west point and as a freshman or plebe we would do something called rally all right and before the every home football game on a friday night uh, all the upperclassmen would kick the plebs out of the room. So they would, might be studying for something on Monday. They might be shining their shoes. They might be doing something very, very important uh, in their room, and they would be kicked out, and they would be sort of like, we would get permission to go absolutely insane Outside of our rooms because you weren't allowed to talk, you weren't allowed to have conversations outside your barracks room. And so, a thousand of us that's the entire class would run to the superintendent's house and scream at him to come and uh, lead us in a cheer of some sort. And then we'd go from there to the commandant's house, a couple doors down, and we'd scream at him to lead us in a cheer. And then we'd go to the steps of the mess hall, which is where everyone ate. Think about um, Harry Potter, where they all ate at. Together, it's like four thousand cadets could eat at the same time, and we'd stand on the steps of that, and we'd shout out. Um, I'll never forget it, just looking at one another. Everyone dressed in some form of uniform: some in underwear, some in jock straps, some in partial uniforms. Just think rally caps with full military uniform. And we we didn't sing because you chanted or shouted this, but it was a song that we we shouted. And it was called the Core. and we would be we, like from the depths of our soul, we'd scream at the top of our lungs. The core, the core, the core, the core bareheaded, saluted with eyes of thanking our God, that we of the core are treading where they of the core have trod. They are here in ghostly assemblage, the men of the core long dead, and our hearts are standing attention while we wait for your passing tread. We sons of today, we salute you, you sons of an earlier day, as we follow close order behind you where you have pointed the way. And that kind of goes on. And then there's this grip hands, and we're, we're crying out, like, grip hands, With us now that we see not, grip hands with the strength in our heart as the long line, the long line is the long gray line, history past, stiffens and straightens with a thrill that your presence imparts. Grip hands, though, be from the shadows as we swear you did of yore, of living or dying to honor the core and the core and the core. And there's like chills would just kind of shudder through me as I felt one moment I was looking around at these thousand cadets connecting back to the history of, of Dwight Eisenhower, Douglas MacArthur, George Patton, Jack Pershing, Ulysses S. Grant, all people that had the same sort of suffering as a plebe at West Point, but went on to go and lead its nation in battle and war. That, to me, um, was an incredible experience. And it, and it just kind of really brought in together this, the deep need that we have for the rally. And that's why um, when we sing, when we sing like, this is my testimony from death to life, because Christ rewrote my story, I'll testify. Everybody can sing that song who's had a relationship with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? No, 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 think about it everybody who claims Christ can go back to the moment when they were dead, when they were broken. You might have been really young, but you were dead, broken, four-year-old, all right? But there were some of us that were dead and broken at 20 and struggling, dead and broken at 30 and asking God to do something, and then he did. And so when we sing those songs, it connects us in the truth to the likes of Billy Graham or Cory ten Boom or Charles Spurgeon or William Tyndale or Martin Luther or John Calvin or Augustine or Paul or Peter, right back to the link to Jesus because everybody heard about the truth through a person. And that's how awesome this great thing is. And so when we sing together in the corporate worship gathering, it's not just um, so we can have an upbeat song to feel good. It's connecting with the past of our history of all those who had gone before, they sang the same song. And so when you're feeling down and you need to remember that Jesus is good, he's a good, good father, you're crying out the same truth that those that were in suffering, those that maybe have been martyred, those that were struggling, those all around the globe are, are singing that same truth. And that should inspire your heart to go, God, thank you for what you're doing in me. And you connected me to this body of believers. (sighs) But then the the question is, is it just like the the feel-good rally? There's there's parts of it that are feel-good. In fact, watch, watch this. We need to be reminded of some truths uh, that are essential to our worship experience in the corporate gathering and also in our individual lives. Watch this, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all kings look at this we're calling out you're a great god you are above everything all my minor many gods i set up you are greater than that and i will respond to you have more power and you have more authority you are in control god is sovereign which god's sovereignty isn't really that um comforting unless you have the other piece of the scripture god's sovereignty could mean he's sovereign over making your life a living hell Which is true if he isn't kind and he isn't loving. Watch this. I I, I just love this. In his hands, we're talking about God's power. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The, the heights, the mountains are his also. And when you feel really small and you look at how big the world is, you realize that God has a whole world in his hand. You realize how in control and how huge he is. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. And then watch this. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So there's the sense of he's so big, he's so great. We should bow down before him. Is it because he has the power to crush us like an ant No, watch this. He does have that power, but we come to him because he is our God. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Sheep of his hand means we're the sheep that feed out of his hand. Whenever you hear shepherd language, uh, shepherds were always an odd bunch, right? But they had a special relationship with their sheep. The sheep knew their voice. The sheep came. The shepherd would go looking for a lost sheep. He might not go looking for a lost person, but he'd go looking for those lost sheep. But that's how God is with people. He is the great shepherd And this is, somebody needs to hear this because I think for some of you, you understand God's good, he's all powerful and you feel like um, you've got to do something to measure up, to earn the blessing that you've been given and you're white knuckling your life. In fact, there's some stuff in in your past in the darkness of your past and you're like, I've got to overcome that with being really good and you're gripping the steering wheel of your life so hard that all the joy has been sucked out of it because you can't enjoy that your father who is good who made you, designed you, designed you for this corporate experience, would take care of you and give you faith even in the midst of suffering. In fact, he, th- he said, I promise I will never leave you or forsake you. When it feels like he's not there, he's there. And that's huge. Because I need you to wrap your head around this. Christians gather to declare God's good design and his desire to shepherd us. Uh this past uh, week, you know, on Tuesday, um, we had a, a Zoom call with over 100 devices logged in. And that Zoom call was praying for Chuck Layton. Uh, Chuck had pneumonia. He was in the hospital. He was uh, fighting for his life. And um, Hill Country Bible Church, Fulgur, reached out to the association and said, would you join us in prayer? And we got on. And I remember there's this point where we did the Korean-style prayer. If you're not familiar with Korean-style prayer, that's where everyone's praying their own thing in their own uh, language, their own understanding, uh, not like speaking in tongues, but we're, you're speaking your own language. And then, but it sounds just like a massive roar of people. Okay. So we're on the Zoom call and I thought well, this is going to be complete disaster. It's like, I don't know if they really thought this through, but um, I don't know if you know about Zoom. It just goes to the last speaker. And so like different people's faces would flicker up, flicker up as we were all praying at once. And there's this cacophony of sound And as I'm watching, I'm seeing Danny Box, followed by uh, Joseph Aiken, followed by James Foster, followed by Ashley Elliott, followed by Wesley DeShazer, followed by Bobby Pruitt, followed by Phil Kwan, followed by uh, Leif... Uh, from San Saba, Wayne Shoemaker from Hill Country, Austin, Isaiah Cruz from Eastside, all in prayer. And I just was overwhelmed by the sense of the great gathering that was going on, that I was so like a part of something so unique and so special. As we cried out to God for healing, we cried out for God to do a miracle. We cried out to God, do something. And, I, and I, as much as I could feel close to people virtually, I did. And I wept. So much so that when it became my turn to pray, like individually, they said, all right, Chris, now's your time to pray uh, for God's goodness and remind everybody about his power and his ability to heal and all that. I just got choked up. Because he is that good. And you need to be reminded of that. He's a good father. Not just like an average dad who sometimes shows up at your baseball game, but one who's always there to talk about the bottom-level life stuff of when heartbreak happens and when the work falls apart or you feel like this those people there are against me. He's right there saying, I'm always with you and I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. And we need that. One of, them, one of my uh, other favorite scriptures on gathering is uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 23 through 25. And and I love the way that the author of Hebrews lets us know that there's, there's two pieces of this. It's not just like being together for the sake of being together. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. In other words, that Jesus rose from the dead. He promised he would be with us. And then the author of Hebrews goes on and says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see see the day drawing near. This is a command of scripture, meet, meet. And he uses the word stir up, which I thought was really bizarre. Um, In the NIV, it's spur, like, you know, kick a horse with your spur, spur. The actual Greek word means to irritate, to irritate one another with God's word, To, to think of really cool ways to irritate each other. No, no. Think about that. That means you're coming to church to be comforted, but also be a little bit irritated. Can can I just be real with you? This is where uh, God's word is so powerful um, that it, it causes us to be irritated just a little bit. And that there's this part of it. We should, when we go to God's word, we should be asking, where am I not in line with my design? Hey, where am I not in line with my design? That rhymes, how fun is that? Where am I not in line with my design? And then, and then how am I gonna correct that? So if, if you're out of alignment because you're like, ah, eh, gathering, smathering, I'll just do church forever online, even beyond COVID-19 pandemic, because listen, I don't really need the church. The reality is the church needs you. Did you know when you don't show up, you aren't there? And I know you're like, well, duh. No, no, there might be something. Listen, I tell a lot of football analogies and there's a lot of gamers here that would just eye roll and they need someone to look at and go like, are you serious? He's doing another one of those. They need that. The reason they need that is because you need to feel like there's somebody like you here. So if you are a minority person and you don't show up and then someone who's of your same race or cultural background, they show up, they go, yeah, that's what I thought. Nobody like me. And so you're needed you're needed every time you show up and then there's um, somebody like you they feel like they're a part of it and i wonder if we've gotten just a little bit don't 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 get like angry but just realize reality this might be the part you need to get back in alignment we've gotten so selfish with our worship and we say stuff like i just don't get anything out of that And maybe it wasn't for you, but somebody else who needed to see you that was looking to the word of God. Because you know that the word of God doesn't return void. Isaiah 55, 11 says, like, when when my word goes out, it doesn't return to me empty. And so it has great purpose. And maybe in your selfishness, you've said, I don't want to hear that. I don't need to hear that. And maybe your pride has sort of risen up and said, I'm above it. I need something deeper. Tell me some more Greek and Hebrew words so I can study them and be smarter. I wonder if that's what happens to us. Okay, well, let's get back to something a little more easy, right? Like the scripture again. Okay, here we go. Uh, Psalm 95, verse seven. Now, here's where it actually doesn't get easier. It gets sort of hard. Remember, God's been comforting in the first seven verses in the second half of seven. He says, listen, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts because that's what we do, right? We get prideful. Like, he doesn't have anything to say to me. Don't harden your hearts, as at Meribah and as on the day at Massa in the wilderness. You're like, what's Meribah and Massa? All right, Meribah means literally quarreling, and Massa means testing. This is when uh, Moses is leading the Israelites through the wilderness. Remember, they already rejected God's promise. Just go into Canaan, you can take anybody. And they're like, there's giants there. And God, you're not giant enough to out-giant the giants. And God says, okay, cool. 40 years in the desert for you guys. And as they're, as they're circling the desert, he's trying to get them to trust him. And they come to a place and they're thirsty and they're like, we're going to die. And instead of going, God, we ask you who can open up the heavens and bring rain. We ask you can open up the earth and bring out a fountain. Please give us water to drink because we're thirsty. And they go, Moses. <clears throat> and I just feel like they're my kids, right? Like, um, The the whining, it's the unbelievable sense of like self righteousness. How come you don't ever give us any water? We should just go back to Egypt. At least we had some water there. And Moses, he gets frustrated. I mean, listen, this is where um, if you've ever been in any sort of spiritual leadership and people start whining, you just like you lose your mind a little bit. And Moses, like as great as like literally, he talked to God. Like Moses sat face to face with God and like had a glow on his face. And even Moses, so like if somebody loses a little bit because they get frustrated with all the whining, listen, this is parents too, you got, right? Remember, even Moses got frustrated with whining. Okay, so like feel validated. However, what happened to Moses, he lost out on the promise because we know what he did. He came up before the Israelites. He's like, you want me to bring, you rebels? You want me to bring out water from this rock? Whack, whack. And he dishonored God. And watch this, it says, don't harden your hearts as at Meribah is on the day at mass in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof. Though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathe that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they will not have known my ways. Therefore, I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And you know who's included in they shall not enter my rest? Moses. And that, that rest is a place of rest. So it's like location, not like rest eternally. It's a location of rest. But for the people of God, you don't get to enter God's rest in the day-to-day when you are in your heart towards God. When you say, I've got this, I'm self-sufficient. I, listen, I'm sure you, the rest of you people need j- the Jesus crutch, and I'm sure you need to confess your sins, all that, and pray for one another. But I'm okay. I'm l- Listen, I don't got any issues. The reality is you have issues. You're just not open to the fact that there's a pride factor going on and the reason why you have so much friction with people is the, the pride in your own heart and your resistance to humility. And you harden your heart and you don't have rest. And that's why your, your day-to-day is filled with anxiety. Your day-to-day is filled with friction. Your day-to-day is filled with this angst of like, if they would only. And, that, and you start saying stuff like that. <laughs> Listen. Listen. Christians gather to learn from the past lest they repeat it. So in 1 Corinthians 10 11, Paul is instructing um, the Corinthian church. He said, listen, you've got all these great stories from the past of people when they harden their hearts toward God. And he and said, listen, specifically when Moses is running the people around through the desert, he said, listen, these things happen to them as an example. Don't be like them, but they're written for our instructions so that we would not do the same thing. Now, you're not going to be led around in a desert for 40 years and God leading you with a, a pillar of fire by day de- or a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of smoke by day. Like that's not going to happen. What is going to happen is God going to lead you with his spirit and you're going to like, nah, I'm good. I'll trust myself. I'll go figure out where the water is myself. Thank you for I know you've provided water over here, but, and I know you've provided before, but you're not providing right now, so I need to take matters in my own hands with my uh, because I'm single still, thank you very much. And so, God, you're not providing me a spouse, so I'm going to go outside the boundaries for which you put it together. And listen, I need release here, and I need to get mine. Listen, I know that you have the whole world in your hands. And I know you've got my children in your hands, but I've got to take matters in my mind in my hands because they're not doing, and I've got to control The 55-year-old parent says about their 23-year-old son. And I think um, there might be this thing of, I don't want to get too close to um, this thing of God. And And listen, if I can stay away from the gathering, I can stay away from conviction. You know what happens here? I I don't know if you guys, I mean, I'm a pastor, so I hear more about these stories probably than most people. Um, But Adrienne invited a friend um, that she worked out with to come to church, and she did. And she came one time. And uh, when she came, she started bawling her eyes out. I mean, just crying. And I'm like, man, this must be incredible. She must be really, she's going to come back. Like, this is really awesome. Like, the worship, she was crying, and the sermon, she was crying. She was crying, crying. It was crying. And then Adrian followed up with after, and she goes, well, did you like it? She's like, no, I just cried the whole time. Well, why were you crying? Like, I just felt so exposed. I just felt like everybody was looking at me, maybe judging me for all the darkness that I've lived. It kind of hit me that um, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but both are naked and exposed. I mean, it's crazy. It's like people who don't even know God's word are reciting God's word. Naked they can expose the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. She felt it. She couldn't escape it. And instead of running to it, she ran from it. Now, listen, can I just, she'll watch her. I'll watch her on, I'll see her pop up online. Like, oh there she is. Hopefully she's watching it right now. And she's like, he's talking about me. And there's like maybe five people saying the same thing. Um, my heart for, for you, that person, is that you come and you be a part of the gathering because did you know what the surgeon does? The surgeon takes a scalpel, and there's a tumor in there. There's something that's not healthy in the body, and the scalpel will hurt, but then it ultimately will heal. God's Word might hurt, but it ultimately will heal you. If you can get yourself in line with His design, but it comes to be a place where you can hear God's Word, not harden your heart and trust Him. So, um... This next week, I, w- I want to challenge us all to do something. Will you gather with us? And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Chris, don't, I don't want you to forget about the pandemic. There's still like a 3.4% death rate for everybody who gets it. I'm, I'm not, listen, I, I'm, I'm with you. Watch this, watch this. Um, next week, uh, I, I coordinated with uh, Calvary Worship Center. And uh, they have a, like a huge field. And they're in Wells Branch, um, and they're a great church uh and i asked him hey listen can we meet outside um at 8:30 a.m before you guys meet inside we want to meet outside and use your just big field so that kids could run around and not get in danger of getting hit by a car or you know our parking lot is great but i sort of we haven't figured out a way to um keep people safe and that field is just very away from all things would you mind if we worshiped there and he said that would be my pleasure. Mikasa, sukasa is what he literally said, and um, I was so grateful for that. So next week, listen, um, if you are, if you feel comfortable, and if God's given you faith to do this, come and join us outside 8:30 a.m. to worship, and we're going to do an outside gathering. And we're going to be socially distanced. And uh, make sure you bring some sort of shade device and some sort of chair. Because we're going sort of like old school, like camping site uh, worship experience. And my prayer is that you would hear the rally cry of everybody singing together. That you would uh, look around and see all the people that have been struggling with the coronavirus as well. And that have been struggling being at home. And find a, finally get a place to worship safely together, uh, distanced, outside. But then you're like, well, what about the rest of us that are like, listen, we're we're not there. God hasn't led us to uh, go outside and gather together. Then I wanna challenge you to, we're gonna do something different uh, next week. We're gonna have a Zoom link in Slack. So if you're a part of our church family, we're gonna put that Zoom link in Slack. And if you're like, what's Slack? Uh, Email us and we, or text me, and we will get that link to you. Just give us your email and we'll get you included in Slack. And when we post that link, we're going to be worshiping together. Now, uh, we'll have an online service at 10 a.m., just like we always do. And I, But I, what I want to have happen is, like, you need to hear Joel crying out in the back in the middle of the worship. You need to hear me singing out, maybe a little bit off-tune and awkwardly. But I want you to experience that with us in an online format at 10 a.m. next Sunday. We'll be doing that live together on Zoom, as well as um, sharing the service with the whole world on YouTube, and Facebook, and Twitch. So would you join us in that way? That's a specific way that we can kind of enter in this place of gathering together. Now listen, if you're coming outside, it's going to be the mid-80s, so dress accordingly and uh, bring some sort of shade apparatus. Might be just an umbrella. Okay. Let's, let's talk real quick. Um, right now, you might be wondering, um, listen, I'm not a the Christian thing's not my thing. what's my next step? Your next step is to simply believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and He rose from the dead and join in the people who are redeemed, who all those who went from death to life, who has a hope not set on this world, but in ultimately Jesus. And so um, your first step might be to simply take communion with us. And one of the things that we do here, as we take communion, if you're about to take communion, just pause, because we're going to take a time to reflect. Um, But Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Our souls feed on Jesus like our body feeds on this bread. And that same night, Jesus took the cup, said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we drink the wine because Jesus' blood shed for us on that cross is ultimately what heals us and gives us complete salvation, gives us victory over the power and um, just the unbelievable wreckage that sin has wrought on our people. And we want to be free from that. Um, And so we worship God in that way. And so, but before we take communion, I just want us to take a moment and we're going to pray and then ask God if there's any sin that you need to confess or repent and if you want to just email it to us um, that you you need help with this darkness email us at prayer at wellsbranchchurch.com and we would love to follow up with you or you're simply saying hey pray with me as I, as I confess this to the church uh, I need healing we're going to pray that healing right over your heart um, would you pray with me Father thank you Father, for, thanks for the reminder of the gathering, the great power that lies when all your people come together. And Lord, I thank you for the technology that we could still do it um, online and really can experience Holy Spirit power and favor. And God, I'm, we need that so desperately. So Lord, if somebody for maybe for the first time has never received you as their savior, when they hear your word, they sort of stiffen up, they harden up to it. God, I pray, Lord, would you do a work in them that they would go from death to life. They'd say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for all my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. And they'd be brand new. And Lord, for those of us that, just time, friction, callousness, pride, all that stuff, and we've built up a lot of busyness. And when it comes to gathering again, it's almost like another t- like job or toil or work. And we're just like, Ugh. God, would you help us to see that's in our design and that we're needed. The church needs us and we need the church to hear the voices crying out to a God who's good and a God who can save and a God who loves and shepherds us. And God, we need to hear your voice so we don't harden our hearts toward you. And God, would you help us that have been walking with you and maybe there's some areas of our life we got gotten hardened to. We don't want to even be convicted. We don't want anyone to even mention that stuff because I don't want to feel bad. And we need to remember, Lord, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Lord, would you remind us of that and help us to walk in the spirit and truth to honor who you are. So God, as we take a moment to reflect and repent for about 30 seconds before we take communion, would you just do a work on us as we come to you in worship? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.